Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. No matter where you're at, I just believe that we all relate to the coming and going feelings of what we've been talking about these past couple weeks of heaviness, angst, frustration, anger. I believe 2021, I felt more of that than any other year in my life. And uh, I, in my connect group the other day, we were talking about how on edge everybody is. And meaning in society, like we just encounter, we specifically were talking about how we see it in traffic all the time. You know what I'm talking about? People are just getting angry in traffic and they were talking about how like every one of us had a story of someone flipping us off or like zooming by us or something in, in, in anger. And I'm like, either we're bad drivers or the world is on edge, right? And uh, then I was talking to my alpha group um, kind of in the same time. And I didn't bring this up by the way. And they started bringing, about, bringing up how they get angry in traffic. And they were talking about how, you know, they kind of, and I was thinking they're going, okay, hold on. Perhaps my alpha group is flipping off my connect group. <laughs> this could be a thing, right? This could be happening. Oh, just saying, alpha group, I love you. Um, anyway, uh, no matter if you're an angry driver or it, you know how you deal with uh, stress and anxiety, I think we all can relate to it. A study a few years ago said that over 90% of 20-somethings admitted to feeling overwhelmed by their lifestyle uh, on a regular basis. How many 20-somethings do we have in a room? Raise your hand. Yes? Okay, 90, catch this one, 90% of parents feel a moderate to high level of overload in their life. How many parents do we have in a room? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, almost 50, about 50% of Americans feel overworked. How many Americans do we have in a room? <laughs> yeah, good. And get this, 65% of kids under 18 feel like their parents are overstressed. And so that's a lot of people over something, right? They're either overwhelmed, overloaded, overworked, overstressed, and I'm assuming that leads to an underwhelming life. Are you all with me? So we have to be honest today. Look at your neighbor and say, just be honest. See, a big part of the problem the big part of the problem is we don't really know how to rest. So what do we do about this? For real, I'm asking you, I, I don't have any idea what we should do about this. I, I, I know where we could begin though, okay? Let's begin with the crescendo statement of Jesus in Matthew 11, which we've been looking at these last three weeks. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is good news, amen? So we talked about the easy and light ways of Jesus last week. Scott mentioned this, and there's no doubt that the ways of Jesus can be and are intended to be light and easy. However, there's a tension in this statement. There's a tension, and the tension is that the ways of Jesus, a lot of times in life, feel heavy and difficult and hard. 
That's the tension. And the truth is, following Jesus requires a courage and a commitment and a discipline that at times does not feel easy and light. So there is a tension inside of this. I mean, Jesus himself said in his words that if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to take up your cross daily and follow me, which does not sound easy. Even the practice of resting can be difficult, right? It can feel like climbing a mountain just to get to the place where you can actually rest. And when we say rested, I just want to clarify. I'm not just talking about time off or vacations or time, you know, laying on the couch. Although those things can be good. Taking time off, laying on the couch can even be good for your soul. A lot of practices of resting, like turning off your phone, for example, or perhaps praying daily, or even doing the biblical model of resting and taking a Sabbath once a week, like those can be really fantastic things. But they, the idea of stopping, the idea of actually inactivity is just a part of rest. Jesus, the ultimate rest that he wants to give us, as we mentioned week one, is to give us rest for our soul. Jesus wants to renew, revive, restore our souls continually. There's a daily renewal that he wants us to, wants to give us. And then there's also at times a deeper, more restorative work that he wants to do to our soul. You can think about it this way. Regularly, we need our tanks to be filled, like, like gas in our fuel tank. That's our daily renewal, right? At times, we need our oil change. That's like a deeper work. We'll call it a work of restoration. And every once in a while, we need a new car. We need like a brand new work done in our life. You know what I'm saying? This is like, this is like the make room for the new because God is giving you a full-blown new work, fresh wind, fresh fire revival in your life. See, Rest comes in all forms. It comes in daily renewal, restoration, revival. This is what God wants to bring us, what Jesus wants to give you. Now, let's go back to this statement. Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right? We like the words easy and light. But the key word in this sentence is the word yoke. Two weeks ago, I briefly explained what a yoke is. Yoke is the reference to the ways of Jesus, the things that he taught to his followers. Most of you know that Jesus was a rabbi, meaning a rabbi, by the way, just simply means teacher. And during the days of Jesus, it was common for rabbis to have varying interpretations of the scriptures. At the time, of course, in in the Bible, they had what was Uh, what we know as the Old Testament, which is kind of the first two-thirds of the Bible. That's what they were reading, what they were memorizing, what they were teaching. And rabbis disagreed on how to interpret the scriptures. For example, some may think that it's supposed to be interpreted literally exactly as the law was stated, very tight, very rigid, while another may say, ah, no, it's more like a metaphor, right? So it was a little softer, a little gooier kind of interpretation of the scripture. And, and, you know, believe it or not, there was conservative and liberal views of the Bible and everything in between. It was very, 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 very different than today, right? No, I mean, it's, I mean, this whole idea of people interpreting the Bible differently, I don't really get it, but it was a thing alive and active 2,000 years ago. Today, thank goodness, we have all the denominations to clear that up. <clears throat> what? <laughs> well, hold on. So the yoke, the yoke, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. 
So a yoke is the understanding and teaching. The yoke is the understanding and teaching a rabbi would have. Some rabbis would have a very heavy, a very hard, difficult yoke, right? Lots of rules and regulations. It would be a heavy, burdensome thing to carry. People under that type of yoke would definitely not feel rested in their faith journey. In fact, you would say that they probably didn't delight in God. Now, we're supposed to be delighting in God, correct? Think about it. Even the word delight, five of seven letters say we should take it light, right? right? Look at your neighbor and say his burden is light. Check out this picture. We think of a yoke in this way. It bridles two oxen, two livestock together in order to keep them in unison, walking uh, in unison, controlled by the, by the reins of its master. And this is the metaphor that Jesus is utilizing in the word yoke, of course. He says, my yoke, my teachings, my requirements of you, my ways, they are easy and light compared to what you're experiencing. Come to me and you'll find rest for your weary souls and all your striving. This is what he's saying. You see, the yoke is intended to keep you in step with Jesus. When you get out of step with the yoke, it becomes an awkward and at minimum a little bit of a battle over who's in control. So if you start to pull away from a yoke and resist the yoke, there's a tug of war that begins, right? Imagine these two oxen out of step with each other. They will begin to pull away and eventually this fight for control will probably cause some sort of uh, at minimum disagreement, right? I'm sure you felt that sort of tension in life, right? Where you are stressing and have anxiety over control. I have to admit that I, I struggle with this claim at times, I've wrestled with it, that Jesus', Jesus ways are easy and light. Because when I think of my faith journey, it, it represents some of the most difficult, challenging things I've ever done, right? Like to be a person who is good and loving and kind, to be a person who embodies Jesus as best that you can, who cares for the lost, the poor, the broken, and actually does things in order to serve them, to always turn the other cheek, to rejoice always, to love our enemies, to be a person who flees from sin, who, who, who dies to self, all these things, the call and cost of following Jesus is high. Many times it can feel difficult to follow Jesus and actually much easier to follow the world. Does anyone else relate to this? Yeah, like seven of us, it sounded like. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So I assume most of us do. Most of us do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, and this is, this is pretty heady, so get, in, get with me. Here we go. Only the man or woman who follows the command of Jesus single-mindedly and unresistingly lets his yoke rest upon him. Lets Jesus' yoke rest upon him. Find, finds his burdens easy and under its gentle pressure. Now imagine like a yoke, it, it does pull you, right? There's a gentle pressure. That, when they do that, they receive the power to persevere the right way. The command of Jesus is hard, unutterably hard for those who try and resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Whoa, so we gotta talk about this one, right? First of all, in case you don't know Dietrich, 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during the early years of Hitler's rise to power. And early on, Bonhoeffer saw the evil in Hitler, right? And he was actually a part of an unsuccessful attempted coup to overthrow Hitler and remove him from power, and which I often wonder what history would have been like if that had been successful. But nonetheless, it was unsuccessful. And Bonhoeffer, he was really my kind of pastor I would have loved to be. He was not just okay sitting on the sidelines, but he was not only um, trying to submit his life to Jesus, but he was, he was resisting the enemy that was trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and he was committed to the ways of Jesus. Now, Bonhoeffer was arrested. He was put in a Nazi concentration camp. He stayed there for years. He was finally and eventually murdered before the end of the war. But he wrote these words under the terror, if you will, and the, um, the horror of the Nazi regime, facing deep struggle, yet remaining in step. Think about this when he writes these words, with the gentle pressure of the yoke leading him through, right? Bonhoeffer says that the command of Jesus is unutterably hard for those who try and resist it. Meaning for those who try and pull in a different direction, it's going to be difficult, and it's actually going to start feeling heavy. So for people who are Jesus plus, let's just say, the world, they try and follow Jesus, but also the world, and you start pulling in a different direction, there's that tug of war that begins. And Bonhoeffer himself saw not only his fellow countrymen do this because it became hard, but he saw other Christians do this where they just one by one fell in line with the Nazi regime. And he was unwilling to not just be Jesus plus, right? Maybe we could say it this way. Jesus says that you must be single-minded. So for those who are double-minded, meaning it's Jesus plus the world, or Jesus plus career, or Jesus plus wants, or Jesus plus materialism, or Jesus plus politics, or Jesus plus money, or Jesus plus my safety. Like, so when we add Jesus plus anything as our yoke, it becomes very heavy and very hard. And that's when faith becomes exhausting. That's when church becomes something that's just another event on the calendar that we're like, oh, can I, do I have to go again? That's when, that's when community and committing to community becomes a really big commitment to us. That's when prayer becomes something we never have time for. Instead of delighting in those things, we dread those things. It doesn't feel easy and light. And because it doesn't feel easy and light, we start to shed the yoke. We start resisting his teachings. And before you say, okay, like I'm not resisting the teachings of Jesus. Well, he says, he says, pray continually. And we say, oh, I can't do that. Well, how about rejoice always? Uh, not, that's not realistic. How about give thanks in all circumstances? I'd rather grumble and complain in most circumstances than give thanks in a few, right? How about love your enemies? Oh, that's a nice Jesus sentiment, but not possible. How about I avoid my enemies? That's easier. See, I'm here to tell you that we resist the yoke of Jesus all the time. The yoke is intended to be a gentle pressure leading us in the way of life. But when we resist it, it actually becomes an exhausting another thing in our life. And we find ourselves missing out on the very thing that Jesus came to bring, which is beyond eternal life, but he came to give us rest for our weary souls. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 is a perfect contrast scripture for us today. Listen to this. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, God's mighty hand is another metaphor, if you will, another way to picture, to give us as a yoke guiding us, his mighty hand guiding us. He says he will lift you up. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All of you overwhelmed, overworked, overloaded, overstressed people, cast your anxiety, meaning throw it all, place it all on God, because you know what? God can handle it. God can take care of it. He can actually handle it. Tell him everything. He can handle it. Verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, verse 8 is the reality check for us. As much as there is a God in heaven who loves you and cares for you and is all for you, as much as that is true, there is an enemy in this world, an adversary who absolutely hates you, wants to destroy you, is out to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. That's just as much a truth, right? And it says in this verse, that we sh- what do we do with this adversary? What, what do we do? It says in verse 9, resist him. Everyone say resist. resist. Let's say that again. Everyone say resist. resist. He says resist the enemy, standing firm in the faith. You see, the standing firm in the faith is, is, is the yoke of Jesus. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You are not the only one that feels what you feel. Throughout the world, the family of believers. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Meaning, the family of believers, the spiritual family of God, those who said yes to Jesus, you get eternity with Jesus where you will find ultimate rest for your souls in his eternal glory in heaven. After you have suffered a little while, he himself will restore you. Everyone say restore. restore. Now restore has a four-letter word inside of that word. It's called rest, right? R-E-S-T, it's the good kind of four-letter word. Are you with me? Now he says, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's way different than weary, overwhelmed, overburdened, overworked, and overstressed. He will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Can I get an amen? Amen. To him be the glory, or excuse me, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is so good. This passage is interesting, but it's super powerful. Peter says, resist the enemy. Yet, and here's the tension. I think we have so many of us who actually resist spiritual things. We put limits on how much God stuff we have to do in life. (laughs) The idea of more church, like, you know, in the scriptures in Acts 2, it says they met daily together. Like, more church sounds crazy. Um, more prayer, we want it, but it's hard. Uh, more worship, more Christian community, more humility, more forgiveness, more gentleness instead of road rage, right? We put restraints on the God stuff. Like, we try and categorize it, box it in. We try and give it time constrictions. This is what I do for God. Yet, We welcome more things like materialism, more hurry, more busyness, more power, more entertainment, more consuming, more comparison, more anger, all sorts of things that actually steal life from us. Those are the things we welcome while we resist the things of God. 
We resist the humble, meek, grace-filled, slow-down ways of Jesus that tell us that we have limits and they demand us to slow down and live in his rhythms. And as a result, we end up feeling exhausted and too tired to love God, much less others. There is a way that's easy and light, but instead we embrace the hurried, self-focused, self-centered, distracted ways of the world that push us beyond our limits to an unhealthy and untethered existence. We need to get honest about rest because here's what rest really is. Rest is the fuel gauge getting low. It's the warning sight, the warning light on the engine saying check engine soon. That's what rest does for us. It gives us like when we are unrested, it starts giving us signals to say we need to pay attention. We need renewal, restoration, and some of us need revival. But yet we fall for the enemy's deception all the time. Remember, he is like an enemy that prowls around in the shadows looking for a way to steal, kill, and destroy, looking for ways to enslave us to the yoke of the enemy that is burdensome, hard, and heavy. Guess what? Jesus won't strong-arm you or drag you. Imagine yourself in a yoke with Jesus. He's not going to strong-arm you or drag you. It's the gentle pressure brought about by the yoke of Jesus. His ways are gentle and humble. Bonhoeffer's story made me think of a time a few years ago when I was able to go and visit Auschwitz. Of course, Auschwitz was the largest Nazi concentration camp of World War II. I was able to spend a day there, and it was a powerful day, deeply moving to consider the courage of so many people who suffered at the hands of evil there. 1.1 million people died at this place in just a few short years. And as I stood on the grounds and walked over these tracks that carted millions of people into this place who would be murdered, tortured, and enslaved as workers, I, I, I couldn't help but think of 1 Peter 5. Seriously, I did. I thought of that particular passage. And this warning to be alert and of sober mind, the enemy is on the prowl. You see, Auschwitz is in Poland. If you're a geography nerd like me, you know how close Poland is to Germany. It's the next door neighbor to Germany. And even though Auschwitz eventually becomes the central place of Hitler's final solution to eradicate as many Jews as possible, that was not the original intent of this particular camp. Hitler wanted this to be a, a slave camp of people from Poland. He wanted to enslave an entire nation in order to become the labor force and the workforce for Germany. And I want you to think about that. It gives me this sobering picture of the enemy trying to imprison and enslave you and me to a life of labor with no rest. That's what the enemy does. And the enemy's way closer than you think. It's right next door. That's why we have to be alert and of sober mind. We have to be paying attention to know that just as much as there's a God in heaven that loves us, there's an enemy out to hurt us. Even as a follower of Jesus, we have to be of sober mind. We must know that to stand against the enemy, the only way we're going to be able to do that is to submit to the ways of Jesus. We don't have enough strength on our own. But with Jesus, 
But Jesus, we can overcome. We become strong, firm, and steadfast. Brilliant author Richard Foster says this. He says, our adversary majors on three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Our adversary, the enemy that prowls around, right? He majors on three things, in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. One of my favorite authors <clears throat> and of, of, of matters of being, having a well-rested soul, Dallas Willard says this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And while we're quoting brilliant writers, N.T. Wright says this, it's only when we slow down our lives that we catch up to God. <laughs> That's the paradox of the upside-down kingdom of God, that the slower is better and accomplishes more. Faster, more hurried, more productivity ultimately accomplishes less. Now, here's the thing. Jesus wants us to accomplish a lot, but he has a different way of making it happen than the world. So what am I getting at? Am I talking about rest? Am I talking about busyness? Am I talking about the enemy? Am I talking about Jesus' yoke? What am I talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about the roots and the heart of rest for the weary. You see, the root of our weariness is found in what yoke we are submitting to. Are we taking on the yoke of Jesus in the slowed down ways that he gives us? Or are we taking on the yoke of Americanism that says, do more in less time? Or maybe, maybe you prefer, let's just jettison the whole idea of a yoke. That seems a little weird to me. And I'll just kind of do what I need to do the best that I see fit. By the way, that's still a yoke. It's called the yoke of pride. The yoke of Jesus is a different way of living. It's not Jesus plus convenience or Jesus plus success. You know, Jesus followers say, oh, I'm not of this world, but yet many of us are very much of this world. Jesus, Jesus ways, we're set apart, yet I'm exactly like everyone else. You can't have both, right? It's none of those things. There's a popular statement that says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Like Jesus, single-minded, this, this is what Bonhoeffer says. He says that the ways of Jesus are only easy and light when we are single-minded, not partially, not half-hearted, not double-minded. Jesus provides an all-encompassing way of living that starts with his teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, which we can't cover today. I know you wish I could ends with his sacrificial love on the cross, which we can't talk about in its entirety today, and continues today through the presence of the Holy Spirit that goes with us, which we can't completely talk about today either, but we do talk about all those things all the time as followers of Jesus. Like he's set a way for us, a yoke for us. He's, he's saying, will you really follow me? Will you really do this? Because I want to give you rest, but you keep fighting against the thing that I'm giving you, the gift that I'm giving you, the yoke that I've provided for you. You keep pulling away like it's a tug of war. And that's why it feels burdensome. That's why it feels heavy. That's why you question if you want to keep doing this. Jesus provides an all-encompassing way of living. As followers of Jesus, we should practice what author Pete Scazzaro calls a slowed-down spirituality. 
meaning a life ordained around rest and the biblical models of Sabbath keeping and what, you know, contemplative prayer and, and, and other forms of silence and retreat and fasting. All things I've taught about, by the way, in the last couple of years. You can go podcast it. <laughs> Those are necessary in the way of life Jesus taught and brought. We 100% must be submitting to slowing and resting practices, which most of us don't really do a great job of, by the way. However, I'll say this. If you think that a little bit of a tweak to time management and gritting your way through some extra prayer sessions will solve your rest issue, it won't. In fact, Richard Foster says, real prayer comes not from get gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. I would just say, rest is not a task. When it's a task, we grit through, we push through, we struggle through to get the job done. There are tasks, there are things to do with rest, but rest is a way of life. It's, it's submitting to the gentle yoke of Jesus. It's gentle and humble, and it costs you nothing and everything all at the same time. Done right, it's easy and light, but it, it will require more of you than you even knew you had. But when we submit to it, it's easy and light. So today is about being honest with yourself. If you aren't all that good at resting, you should ask yourself, what are you resisting? See what I did there? Let me put that one on screen for us because I think it's a really good question for us to end with today. If you aren't all that good at resting, you have to ask yourself, what am I resisting? Am I resisting the ways of Jesus or am I welcoming them? Am I resisting the ways of the world or am I welcoming them? He says to resist the enemy. A lot of us welcome the work of the enemy, the, the values of the enemy, the distraction of the enemy, the busyness that he wants to put on top of us. He, he majors in three things, noise, crowds, and hurry, right? I honestly did want to do a message today where I kind of gave you three to four tips on uh, how to rest well. Instead, I wanted us to get honest about rest because for many of us, we struggle with rest because we resist the ways of Jesus and we welcome the ways of the world without even realizing what we're doing. And what's happened is it's impacting our soul in ways that we can't even comprehend. And so it's hard for me to talk about rest in the practical terms if we don't get to the root of it, because I don't wanna just mow over things where we mow over the weed, but we don't actually do the work to get down into the dirt and get out the root of the weed. And so that's what we're doing today. And, and I wanna close with a time of prayer and I want it to be an honest time of prayer for you as well. Would you, would you bow your heads? I just wanna help you even respond to this today. In fact, would you put your hands out in front of you, like both of your hands, I hope, I hope everybody's comfortable to do this and, and, and like put them in a fist, like closed fist. Just both hands out in front of you as you sit there, closed fist. Today, I want you to be willing to receive from the Lord. And we want to open our lives to him, open our hearts to him. And so here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just going to ask you as I pray this, 
Lord, we just want to open our hands to you today. Go ahead and open your hands as a picture of opening our lives and hearts to you. We don't want to hold things with clenched fists today. We don't want to hold on to things that we don't need to hold on to anymore. We want to open our hands up to you. And in, and in the way of saying, Lord, we give you everything that we have, but also, Lord, we're willing to receive what you want to give us. So, Lord, if you want to take things out of our hands, take them out. If you want to place new things in our hands, place new things in. Lord, we come to you right now. Just keep your hands open in front of you. We invite you to come and move. Come speak to us about our life. We are ready for you to shepherd us, to guide us, to renew us, to revive us. We're ready for your comfort, your correction, your blessing, your counsel, your conviction. We ask you to lead us. We open our lives up to you. As we worship, I want to invite you to just continue in this heart of honesty with the Father. Would you be honest with him today about where you're really at in your weariness, where you're really at in your struggle? Because he can handle it. God wants you to cast all your anxiety upon him. He says, come, come to me and I will give you rest. So this morning, this altar's open. We, we invite you to come. Make this an active part of, of, of demonstrating a faith in Jesus by coming to him, getting on your knees, praying. Our prayer team will be here, but the, the altar's open, or you can pray where you're at. But would you get honest with him today? Father, we love you. We open our hands to you as a sign of just surrender today, an invitation today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com. Dot com.